David, I don't want to be indoors on a day like today. It's too nice. I know. It's absolutely beautiful. I've been out there for a short period of time today, Dave. You'd be loving it, wouldn't you? But what about yesterday? I mean, it oh, came out so hot in the afternoon. Yeah. It was absolutely amazing. Now, you would have been busy at the nursery yep. across the weekend, we I imagine. Was, a lot yes. of people coming in, yes, yes. letting you know what's going on in yes. their gardens. Particularly weed spraying. This oh. is one of the major things that happens at this time of the year. A lot of that Everyone wants on. to get into their lawns and get their weed sprayed so they get rid of all those bindies before they start appearing. Now, we want people to ring us up and let them know, let us know if they've got any problems in the garden because you can help them out. The phone number here at 2 in URFM is 49216216 if you'd like to give us a call. Go to the phones now and we'll look forward to you having a chat to David. Everybody that does call through between now and one thirty goes into the draw to win a wonderful gift pack that you've brought in. And what have you got here today? It's very okay. colourful. It is very, very colourful. It's actually one of the new African daisies. It's called Voltage and it certainly is that. It's the most beautiful, bright yellow flowers you can imagine. It's as Bright as the sunshine, oh, yeah. isn't it, um, Dave? Lovely. Uh, so this is just uh, a massive colour at the moment. It's got plenty of buds ready to come on it and still flower for you right through the season. It is a warm. It is a sun lover, so it likes the heat. So pop it outside uh, in a really good sunny position. And look, it doesn't even mind drying out occasionally. It's a very, very hardy plant. So that's the plant I'm giving away today, as well as that I'm giving away a box of the tomato food. This is the soluble tomato food. I'm sure everyone that's anybody has got a tomato plant in by now this time of the year and also a container of the Aquamagic. These are the water storage granules which is an absolute must coming into the warmer months as well as some sachets of other liquid fertilisers there as well Dave. It's our gift pack now for you to be in the running to win that all you need to do is give us a call. The phone number 49216216 if you go to the phones now have a chat to Diane she'll have a quick talk to you and then you'll come through and talk to us. David Peterson gardening talk back right through until 1.30 today here at 2 in URFM 103.7 uh, we love your calls, 49216216, and joining us from Warners Bay is Val for you, David. Hello, Val. Uh, hello, David. How are you? Good, thank you. Um, uh, my son has a problem with his lime tree. Mm-hmm. It's full of, uh, full of flowers now, but um, I was, when I looked at it, it, he said, oh, it's all right when the flowers are on, but the, the fruit comes on and they all fall off. Okay. Well, what I normally th- say with citrus trees, particularly when they're in flower, it's a very, very important time to really keep the water up to them. So make sure you do that when they're in flower, but also when the actual fruits start to set as well. Because the citrus root system's very, very close to the surface and because we are getting warm days at the moment, that can singe the root system very, very easily, particularly if the soil's a little bit dry. So it's often a good idea to actually try and keep the moisture up to it as, as much as you possibly can, And even if you went to the stage of putting a good mulch over that area as well, something like some sugar cane, which is going to help it cool and moist. Now also too, if it's only a small tree valve, it might pay him to probably water on some liquid potash every couple of weeks and that will also help uh, mature the fruit for him as well. Oh, okay. Thank you very much, David. You're welcome, Val. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And we go to Charlestown now. That's where David is. Hello, David. Good, how are you going? Good, thank you. Bit of a problem with the cycad, I think. Yes. Um, the leaves are all curling up, and she's uh, the leaves are uh, turning yellow, uh, uh, t- a yellow and a green. The leaves are curling up, and I've just seen a little white insect. Okay. So and, with... and down the bottom of the stems... Uh, there's black. Okay, well that's that's what I actually wanted to hear. Well, I didn't want to hear it, but I, you've identified what the problem is now. Cycads actually suffer from a thing called scarlet, and if you look underneath the leaf, you may find some bumps or little 
uh, things that look like they're not going to go anywhere, and that's scale. And the black that's on the stems as well, that's caused by the scale that's actually on the cycad. So what you need to do, David, is get out and get some malascale or anti-scale, yep. and you need to spray your cycad with that. You need to do it once. You just don't need to heavily drench it. You just need to lightly spray it, and then 14 days later, come back again and respray it again. Now, that will kill the scale, and eventually all that black will wash off the, your cycad palm. In the meantime, it's probably a good idea also to give it a good, complete fertiliser at this time of the year, something like one of your pelleted manures, which will certainly push it back into growth for you. Dynamic lifter? Look, certainly if you've got dynamic lifter, you can throw some of that around it, yes. So it's scale or which one? Or anti-scale. They're exactly the same product. Okay. Now, it's in a pot. Yes, but the pot at the bottom, it's, uh, it holds the water. Okay. So it's in that case, you probably need to just repot it up into something just a little bit bigger and make yep. sure you always get a good premium potting mixture because most of those potting mixtures will contain water-storing granules, which will help retain the moisture a bit better around the root system. Okay. Now, the, the bottom of the pot, it's one of them water-holding ones. Should I put holes in the bottom? It should always have a hole in the bottom for drainage because otherwise you'll find that the water will tend to stay in that pot and then the roots will become waterlogged and then of course you'll lose the palm straight away. So you must always have a hole in the bottom of the pot. Right. Where am I? Scale, yeah, scale. Is that the same stuff? This, this, the scale that you've got is is when you need to use the anti-scale or malice scale. Or also, if you've got if you've got a scale gun, it yep. may be just marked as scale gun. You can use that to get rid of the scale as well. All right, thank you. Very much. You're welcome. Just a quick cross question here for you. Sorry, uh, my daughter's got kangaroo paws, and it's got and they've got the black. The black stems. Okay. Now, the black is actually a fungal disease or a virus, and you need to actually cut as much of that out as possible, and then you need to drench the soil with the fungicide to get that under control. Now, we're making our way to North Arm Cove, David. We've got Susanna waiting there for us. Hello, Susanna. Oh, hello, David. How are you? Good, thank you. David, I live at North Arm Cove. I've just moved here, and we're having at the moment a new deck built, and I've been told that the in the summer months, we get a lot of mosquitoes and um, sand flies. Mm -hmm. And I was just wondering if there's anything that I can plant around the deck that would be a bit of a deterrent for the bugs and the pests. Well, look, certainly, you know, we get this question asked quite a bit. I mean, there, there are plants that do contain citronella, and one of those that I can think of straight away is a geranium called citrosa. But oh, the thing okay. is, with, with most things that you're going to plant, you have to plant a lot of them because it basically has to be a forest, and it's basically the movement of the foliage hitting against one another that causes the aroma of the citronella to come okay. out of the plants to keep the insects away. They're not that successful. I mean, no. certainly you'll smell them, but it's probably not going to do the job that you're thinking it's going to do. More often than enough, it's probably just as well just to have one of those uh, mozzie coils or something like that that's going to keep the insects away. All righty, then. Thanks very much. You're welcome. Bye-bye. It's Bye -bye. 49216216 if you'd like to be part of the program. We're here right through until 1.30 this afternoon. And we've got Barry joining us now from Taralba. Hello, Barry. Uh, good morning, Dave. Uh, I've just got a couple of problems. I've got a cherry tree, um, and at the base of the stem, there's a lot of sap comes out of it. Mm -hmm. uh, is, 
what causes that, mate? Okay, well, just be really, really careful that uh, it's not being bumped around the base because often if you injure the bark around, particularly down fairly low, it will cause the sap to come out. It's like a healing process, but at the same time, sometimes it can cause uh, a bit of a fungal problem around the roots. If this is the case, I would strongly suggest that you try and scrape it off as carefully as you possibly can with a very, very sharp knife. But also at the same time, and this, I mean this at the same time, you've got to spray it with some tree wound dressing. So it would be wise to get the tree wound dressing first and then to fix the problem. Now, you've got to scratch all that gum and stuff off the tree and then paint on the tree wound dressing. This actually seals the area and stops the disease from going any further and just keep an eye on the tree after you've treated it with the tree wound dressing. Uh, very good, Dave. Um, just another question. I've got a, in the in the lawn itself, there, there's a weed. It comes up with a little yellow flower, and I find it hard to get it out of the, out yes. of the grass. I've been pulling it manually, but is there a spray to um, kill that? There certainly is. It's called creeping oxalis. It's a very, very common weed that you often have in the lawn. You'll find if you get yourself some bindi, bindi actually covers a wide range of weeds, including creeping oxalis. So it's a matter of actually spraying the entire lawn First of all, with your bindi, you can start to think about doing that now. And then in about another three or four weeks, you then come back and just see what areas may have been missed by the product and just spot weed those individual areas. Uh, okay, yeah, I sprayed uh, with bindi clover um yesterday. Okay, well that's good. So that'll actually take at least two or three weeks considering the temperature overnight is still quite low. It'll take that length of time before you notice anything happening to that those weeds dying. Uh, okay, that, All right. thanks mate. Um, also, is it too early to top dress? It's not too early to top dress, just keeping in mind that the grass really hasn't started to grow yet. So when you start to see the grass starting to grow, that's a good idea, good time to get in and just lightly top dress. Uh, thank you, Dave. Thanks for that, mate. Now you're welcome. 24 past 12. How's your garden going? We'd love to hear if you've got any concerns, any problems. Give us a call, 49216216. You'll get straight through. You'll be able to talk to David Peterson, and he's here with us through until 1.30 today at 2NURFM 103.7. Easy listening to in URFM 103.7. Gardening talk back from Monday afternoon right through until 1.30. 49216216 if you'd like to give us a call. Let's say hello to Harry. Hello, Harry. Hello. How are you? I'm fine, 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 That's... except for one little thing. Yes, and what's that? I have a, um, a fruiting fig tree mm-hmm. called uh, Black Genoa. Yes. Genoa, is yes, it? Yes, that is Genoa. That's correct. Right. I spoke to you about six months ago in reference to uh, when I planted and what the, what the root system was like. Because mm-hmm. normal fig trees, like, you know, the roots go all yes, over the place. they're horrendous, you, yes. You said, no, I don't have any problem there. I don't have to move it. Uh, uh, it's not, these fig trees, the fruit trees, don't have a big root mm-hmm. system. Now, it's been there. I had a good crop last year, which was the first crop. It's on a young tree. But I want to do some cuttings. Right. Now, there's no leaves or anything on it now. Yes. But I can see it like the, at the tips of every point, it's, it's getting nice and green. Which means that it's ready to start shooting away for the season. So you need to get in fairly quickly and take your cuttings. Very, okay. Now, look, very, very easy, Harry, with fig trees. All you need to do is just take those tips off the top of the tree and you can take a cutting around about six or eight inches in length 
and then just stick that cutting in some seed raising mixture and that's all you need to do you don't need to treat them with any um, rooting powder or anything at all like that just take several cuttings and to a normal six inch pot you could get quite easily a good half a dozen cuttings into that six inch pot Right. Now, each branch that comes out, and then at the end, it generally has, like, three arms. Yes. And there, those three arms are generally somewhere between, more oh, um, six inches to a foot. Yes. So, would I cut the three off? You would cut the three off individually and plant them in your seed-raising okay, mixture. Yeah, because that's where I was, that's where it had me tricked, whether yes. to cut the lot off and plant the three... On the one, but you don't do it that way. No, one. you preferably just need to stick one little cutting in and then just strike those. Now, they they could take nearly 12 months to give you a reasonable, mature plant, and then you'll just think about planting them out for next yeah. year. Mm. Okay, All so right. where the, there's generally three sort of branches on the ends of the main branches. Yes. There's a half a dozen branches, of course. Would it be better to, say, take two off and leave one branch? Look, I would trim the all the tips off completely, so you're basically shaping your fig tree at the same oh, time. okay. And so then it'll... I want it to grow... Uh, it's around about seven or eight foot now. Right. Uh, I didn't want to use a stepladder to be... Okay. Well, look, if you wanted to cut it down further now before it starts to shoot, that would also be a very, very good idea, and that way you can be able to keep it down to the size you want. All right, good luck with that. Now our next call, we're going to Ella Long. It's Marie or Mari? It's Marie. Hello, Marie. Hi, David. I'm just inquiring. Uh, it's very hard to buy Australian garlic these days. Yes. So, and it's very expensive, so I've decided to grow my own, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm a novice at all this since I've retired. But anyway, uh, I just don't know when it would be ready to pull up. Okay. Well, with garlic, it's, it's the same as onions. Uh, you let them grow. Uh, they will actually flower, and when they're at flowering stage, that's the time that you need to scratch around underneath to see what stage your garlic is up to. It will take a about three or four months to mature your garlic so you've got to be a little bit patient with that but that's the best thing to do just like onions you scratch around the head of the the garlic to see how mature it is and if it looks nice and full you just pull it up and then dry it or else just use it straight away Oh, lovely. Thank you so much, David. You're welcome. Bye-bye. It's 49216216 for Gardening Talk back here right through until 1.30 today. And we'll continue with your calls. If you'd like to call through, there's a free line waiting there right now. Calls right now. Joining us from Gorakin, we've got Valerie. Hello, Valerie. Oh, hello, David. Uh, I have two dwarf-grafted citrus trees in pots. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had their first brooding. And I've got a Eureka lemon and a Washington naval orange. And they're in big pots, mm-hmm. and the fruit on them is absolutely gorgeous. They're tremendous in size. I've never seen anything like them. Well, that's good they're... advertising for growing dwarf citrus in pots, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> I grow better things in pots than I do okay. in my horrible yard. Well done. Um, what I need to know is I don't know when to harvest them. Oh, the fruit? Yes, I, I can... don't know. Well, I, they look gorgeous. Yes. Well, the thing is with... They're all flowering again. Yes, okay. So the fruit should have actually got its its normal colour for picking, particularly the oranges. They should be nice and orange. Now, if they've still got a little bit of green left on them, you still can pick them because they will ripen fully. But certainly the longer you leave them on the plant, the more ripe they will become. But there there is a balancing act here because you've now got new flowers on. A lot of energy is going to go to those new flowers, so the fruit may tend to suffer. 
So, so as I said, if it's got good colour, I would certainly be taking it off and letting them fully mature inside. Well, I think the lemons are, but the orange aren't as, as orangey-looking as what I think they okay. should be. Well, what I'll also suggest to you, Valerie, is if you've got any uh, potash liquid fertiliser, now it is just labelled as potash, try and use some of that because that will actually help the flowers and also help the fruit that's still on the tree. You can apply this every couple of weeks just by watering it around the, the root area of your citrus trees and that will certainly push a little bit more energy into the plants. And I can buy potash liquid as it is, so you do can. I have to liquidate it myself no you can buy potash liquid it comes in a liquid fertilizer it's in a couple of different sizes and you just dilute it with water and water it around the root system of your citrus trees i'll do that thank you you're welcome <laughs> thank you okay. very much bye-bye and hello to helen now from black Gulls park hello helen hi david i've got a beautiful port wine magnolia it's about four meters tall and in the leaf at the moment it's got a white dot yeah it's horrible it's called scale it uh, it was driving me mad with mine that i've got at home so if you can try and get in fairly quickly because with scale it is a little insect that just draws the energy out of the plant you'll need to work fairly fast by getting some anti-scale and then you'll need to mix that up according to directions and spray that all over your port wine now i'm going to give you one precaution there because I did mine with anti-scale a few years ago and I must have put it on just a little bit too heavy so it did affect the young growth of the port wine so the main thing is when you're spraying the anti-scale to just um, give it a very light spray and then you'll need to come back in 14 days time and give it another spray now make sure it's not on a very hot day that you're spraying because that can also affect the tree because it is an oil-based product the oil will actually intensify the heat even more so Okay, the other problem is it's got a... um staghorn growing out of it as well mm-hmm. the staghorn it won't it, the um, anti-scale won't actually affect the staghorn but once again as i said just lightly spray if you're a bit worried about the stag just put a sheet of newspaper or something over the top of it so that the chemical doesn't settle on the foliage of the stag Great. Sounds like a plan. All right. Thank you very much for that. You're welcome, Helen. Bye-bye. And David, we've got Carol with us now from Taro. Hello, Carol. Hi, David. How are you? Good. And listen, that um, lady that ran up from uh, North Arm Cove about, about on the mozzie. Yes. Now, I used to live there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, the best way is um, the coils, but I used to keep one going about uh, um, for about eight, eight, eight hours a day. I, I uh, had one going... All the time. Yes, yes, and it worked fantastic. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a good advertising for the coils, the mozzie coils. Yes. I know they're, they're good because they're, they're, they're really slow and, of course, they just give out that bit of smoke. And, um, oh, it does, yes. yes. Um, but um, we um, got used to it and, and, and it worked um, really uh, um, wonders because we um, didn't have none in our side or well, on the veranda um, at all. Well, thank you very much, Carol. Was okay. that why you were ringing today? Hey. Is that why you were ringing today? Yes, I was. Okay, thank you very much for the comment. Right, thank you. Okay, bye-bye. We, we head off to Aberglassland. That's where Mick's waiting patiently. Hello, Mick. How you going, guys? Good. What can I do for you today? Okay, I've got a Sir Walter Buffalo lawn, mm-hmm. and I've got a slightly little bit of clover coming through it. Now, I went and bought some Bindi Clover Killer, and I've come home, and I've read the directions, and lo and behold, not to be used on buffalo lawns. That is most unusual, because that must be extremely old stock, because most of the Bindi that is now available and has been available for the last couple of years can be used on buffalo. 
So that 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 is extremely old stock. Is it is? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a Yates product. Oh, it's a Yates product. Okay, well, that may be different to what I keep because I keep a Chem Spray product or Ambro product, and yeah. that actually can be used on buffalo. So, look, I thank you very much for that comment because I was I was under the assumption that you could have used Bindi on or any sort of Bindi on any type of lawn. Yeah. So obviously, you need to read the instructions as you've done. Okay, yeah, so I've, I've picked it up off the shelf and um, just I've Bindi. Over killer, that's good, and you know, and then because uh, I never had my glasses on, yes. and uh, I've, I've read it with the glasses. Oh, I can't be used on buffalo lawns. Well, look, I'll tell you what to do. I certainly have a look. There will be a manufacturer's date on that. Um, Product, so that will give you some idea of how old the product is. If it's more than five years since the um, product was manufactured, it certainly probably wouldn't work efficiently. Okay. Now, just one more question. Now, I've just planted some um, uh, three big yuccas westerly facing me home is. Yes. Um, now, I've put them in some nice um, I've had, uh, sandy loam and normal soil, and I've added um, uh, organic soil from the... Um, from the uh, Shops. Yes, and, okay. Uh, I just want to know what's the best way of making uh, keeping them um, up and running. Sort of okay. Well, with yuccas, they don't require any moisture retaining granules or anything like that. So I think the mixture that you've got, try and blend it all together, and mm-hmm. then you can just use that in the pots. Because as I said, with yuccas, they don't need a moist soil. They can dry out fairly well between their waterings. Yeah, I'll actually, put them in the ground. The big eight-inch pots. They yeah. Were. Well, look, they 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 sound great. So as yeah. I said, you could use that mixture that you've got, and you wouldn't really have to give them much attention at all. Western side is excellent because they love the heat. They love the heat. Okay, yes. yeah, it's three. Yeah, because they've got a um, they've got a base of about um, oh about six inches okay. thick. Yeah, so uh, yeah, they're pretty big ones. So um, one grows to two meters tall, and the other ones are only about a one meter or something. I think. Okay. No, well, they yeah. should do well once you've popped them in. Yeah, now, just beside them, I put a bit of kangaroo paw. That's not a problem with, Look, with them, is it? that's an excellent combination because, again, with the kangaroo paws, they don't like too much moisture. They like it nice and dry, so they will probably complement one another. Okay, so what, you just uh, roughly just give them a light water once a week? Once that, a would be, that would be all you would need to do, yes. Yep. Okay, thank you very much. You're welcome. No worries, mate. Bye. Thank you, Mick. 49216216, Gardening Talkback. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. 2NURFM 103.7. Newcastle and the Hunter Valleys. 2NURFM 103.7. Monday afternoon means Gardening Talkback right through until 1.30. We love taking your calls. You can give us a call right now if you like. Let's continue with the calls right now. We've got Val joining us from Edgeworth. Hello, Val. Hello, Val. Val's not there. Hello, there you are, Val. Yes. Oh, hello, Val. How are you? <laughs> hello. It just went dead. There's... It just went dead. Um, <laughs> I sprayed my clover on Saturday. How long before it could be mown? Yes. Okay, so three days after you've sprayed, that's when you can get in and mow it because okay. it takes approximately that length of time right. for the well, chemical to start working. Okay. Now, can you suggest a ground cover? I've got those red lilies. I can't think what they're called now. Some are red and some are orange and white stripes in them, you know. Canna lilies. It won't strangle them. Canna lilies? Yes, that's it. Okay. I'd certainly suggest a really great ground cover for in between those is the little native violet because they grow virtually in no soil whatsoever. 
mm-hmm. and they'll just cover the ground for you. Where there is a little bit of soil, they'll send down a root and just keep forming new plants all the time. Right. So look okay. for native violets. They are tremendous. Thank you. And I've got an orange tree that I've been having trouble with the last couple of years. I have spoken to you before. Um, could I put sulphate of potash or trace elements on it now or would it be better to get citrus food? No, well, you'll do both. You'll actually apply the citrus fertiliser and you'll also apply the potash, the sulphate of potash, because the potash is that remembering that flower and fruit producer mm-hmm. and the citrus fertiliser will just get in and feed the plant. So combine them together and okay. pop them on and, of course, make sure, Val, when you put them on that you water it in yes, really I'm well. to water it in, yes. yes. Okay, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hello, Lorna at Katara. Uh, hello, David. How are you? Um, I'm well, thanks. That's and you? Good. Very well, thank yes, you. good. Yeah, I just wanted to know about a pit's Potosterum, I think it's called golden sheen. Is that what it's called? It's called a potosterum golden sheen. Yes, well done. I had one, and it's got a bit big. Is it okay to cut that well down? No, no. Because if you cut it well down, I guarantee you'll probably find it'll curl up its toes and die. So any any of the potosterums, they need just a light prune, and you could get in and do that now. But certainly a heavy prune, it will just give up the ghost on you. Okay, David. Oh, thanks for that. And also, I just wanted to ask you about uh, Lily of the Valley. How long do they flower for? Lily of the Valley, if we're talking about the same thing, do you have a botanical name there or...? Oh, no, I don't. It's my daughter, actually, that wanted to know So it's the bulb or the actual shrub? The shrub, I think. Okay, that's the Pieris. Now, the Pieris will flower for you for the late winter, early spring period. So it'll generally flower for a few months. Oh, okay then. So it wouldn't be in March? Not in March, no. It's only this time of the year, so we're starting to get them into flower now. It'll go through into September and then perhaps into October. Oh, good. Okay, thanks so much. You're welcome. Thank you, Dave. Bye-bye. It's Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM 103.7. Hello, Louise from Cameron Park. Hello. How are you? Good, thank you. That's good. Um, my question today is um, I've got a, a, an orange tree, yes. that, a pot one, mm-hmm. Wellington Naval, that's in a pot, but... It's got all new shoots on it. It's doing well, but if you imagine the like a vertical stalk with the leaves going horizontal, like open hands, some of them are closing over to the other leaf. Um, that's the best way I can describe <laughs> it. So it, it looks deformed in a way, does it? Well. Some of the leaves, instead of instead of being on the stem and going like left and right, yes. say maybe the right one is folded over on top of the left one. Oh, okay then. Look, I, I certainly wouldn't worry about too much about that, Louise. As long as you're getting the leaves coming out, if they're stuck together, sometimes there's a bug that's in the middle of those those leaves. So have you tried parting them to see that? Yes, and I can't, I found some tiny little. Um, brown spider this right. day. I sprayed it with pyrethrum, but it's got all new growth and okay. it's got all little white buds coming out yes. of it. Okay, I think I think that's probably all it's been. It's probably been an insect that's been pulling the leaves together. Sometimes this does happen. So if you've sprayed it with the pyrethrum, I think you've taken care of the job, so it can just get on with growing and flowering again for you. It seems to. Now I did yep. hear when I wasn't able to call one day in the car that if there's citrus in pots, you shouldn't use citrus. Fertilizer. That's right. You need what to use, I use. You use the pelleted manure, and I think I've shown you that before. It's yes, just a you pellet. Have. You just throw some of that around it, and that just takes the place of your citrus fertilizer. 
excellent. All right. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks, Louise. Bye-bye. Bye. And David's with us now from Stockton. Hello, David. Hello, David. How are you? Good, thank you. Um, I've got a problem. My, my daughter-in-law invited me over to have a look at her garden at the preschool, and it has banana plants or trees. Mm-hmm. And two of them have um, bananas on them this year, mm-hmm. but there's about seven or eight of them growing, and I'm just wondering how you, what you do. Do you prune them? Do you okay. cut them off? Do you... Okay, with bananas, I mean, in our climate, they will take up to approximately two years to mature the hands of bananas. They will not often mature just in the one season. So basically, they hang there for the whole of the winter months. Now, when they do mature, you do not cover them up, by the way. The blue bags are only used to stall the ripening, so we need them to get the sun to actually ripen the bananas uh, right through. So just leave them alone uh, through the winter months. Now that we're into spring, you'll find the hands that are there will probably ripen this year. Once you've taken the hands off the the banana, that plant is completely gone. You actually cut that out and you let all the suckers come up from the side because once the plant has uh, given you a hand of bananas, it will not crop again. Okay, so the ones that are already there that don't have a a, a crop on them, they would be ones that probably have cropped in the past. Possibly, if they're old, if they're old trunks, so they only really uh, form hands on new growths. Right, okay, so if you cut them off, then they should... They should send up shoots. Yeah, they'll send up shoots from beside. So you cut this tree right down to the ground and it's full of water. So you can actually um, use it as compost or whatever if you wanted to. Otherwise, just cut it up and just throw it away. Thank you, David. Wonderful. You're welcome. Okay. Bye-bye. And we continue with calls 49216216. Hello, who's calling? Gardening Talkback. Hello. 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 Who are we talking to? That's Cole from Saldash. Hello, Cole. It's David. What can I do yeah. for you? <laughs> uh, David, I've got three little quick questions. Yes. Uh, quarter lines. Yes. Uh, pruning. Do you let them dry out like frangipanis? You do with quarter lines, particularly during the winter months. You should never keep them too wet. Uh, during the summertime, yes, water them, but don't once again, don't keep them too wet. That's after you've repotted them. That's right, yes, because when you repot something like a cordyline, there's all that new mixture around the main root system, and if that stays really, really wet, it will actually drown the root system. So let them dry out between their waterings. Thank you, David. Now, uh, with the lawn... Uh, just ordinary garden lime or dolomite? No, preferably use lime because lime actually alters the pH of the ground where dolomite does it very, very slowly. And, of course, it's always a very good idea to do your liming of your lawn once every 12 months, particularly at this time of the year when it's the yep. beginning of spring so you know for sure when you've done it. And about... About how long after you lime it would you put some screen chicken manure on it? You could do that straight away. You could do it at the same time if you really wanted to. Excellent, thank you. Now, strawberries and grape. Yes. What sort of, is it a general fertiliser, citrus fertiliser, high potash? Okay. What's the one for strawberries and well, and You do use a citrus fertiliser because anything that's fruiting, you can use a citrus fertiliser around. So long as they're growing in the ground, that's fine. But, of course, if you're growing yep. a lot of yep. these things in pots, you need to use an organic fertiliser. So if they're in the ground, go ahead with your citrus fertiliser. Thank you, David. You have a great day. Thank you very much, Cole. And, David, we've got Gary with us now from Manila, which is near Tamworth. Oh, OK. Hello, Gary. Oh, good afternoon. How are you? Good, thank you. Uh, David, this is a small problem. This is ongoing from the previous call about the oranges, so mm. the dwarf oranges. Yes. We've got the opposite problem. We've, I've got one I've had for about 18 months now. 
have it in a fairly large pot uh, with fairly good soil, I thought, um, but it's not doing anything. It's just struggling. I've got most of the leaves are going yellow, and I've got small fruit appearing, but boy, it's just struggling. Okay. So what we need to do, first of all, there, particularly if it's been in a pot for a while, you probably need to lime it, just get some garden lime and sprinkle some garden lime over the pot because the soil may have become too sour over those years. So that will sweeten the soil. I also would suggest for you then to use an organic fertiliser, so spread some of that around it and water that in. And also you can pop some potash around it as well, which, of course, is a flower and fruit producer. So I think if you put all of those three things around it i'm sure this year you should have a much better crop uh, or the tree res- response to all of that what david what's the yellow leaves does that mean it's not getting enough water or? it's it could be a combination of both it could be not getting enough water or it's just starving oh okay mm. all righty well i'll give that a try see how we go very good thank you okay. Thank you. Bye-bye, I like to put David Peterson to the test. He's pretty knowledgeable and uh, he knows about the soil everywhere. What about the soil in Manila, David? What do you think that's like? Is it sandy? In Manila. Well, look, Dave, I'm very familiar (laughs) with most of the soils in the Newcastle region, but, of course, once we get out of Newcastle, I'm a little bit lost, but I can assure you Taree, from from my knowledge, is a good growing area because it's always been used as a cattle area, so, therefore, the the soil should be very fertile. (laughs) You've done well again. Thank you. I like to put you to the test there. Hey, we've got the latest in local news coming up from the Hunter Newsroom, and we'll cross that at one o'clock. But we're continuing with your calls, 49216216, if you'd like to be part of the program. If you do call David Peterson, they go into the draw to win a wonderful gift pack. They do, and it consists of this beautiful African daisy, which is called Voltage, which is just that. It's a most beautiful yellow flower, and it is the brightest yellow you've ever seen uh, flowering daisy, as well as that, a box of the tomato food soluble and a container of the Aquamagic water storing granules. And Wal's been waiting for us. He'd like to say hello to you. He's from Tingra Heights. Hello, Wal. Hi, Dave. David, I'm, just, I'm a starter with vegetable gardens, so during the winter I grew cabbages and cauliflowers and things like that now. I've cleared them out, of course. Now, with that garden bed, I've dug in a lot of mulch. Is it all right to put my tomatoes in there? It was well-rotted mulch and uh, things like that, so I dug it in about a week ago and, dug it, and I've dug it around a few times since. And was, is it, would it be okay to put the tomatoes in now? Yeah, it'd be fine. I think the only other thing, while I would suggest that you add to it, is just a complete fertiliser. Just dig that through first okay. before what you... what type, David? Just what... any of your pelleted manures. That's all you need to add because the, the, most of the pelleted manures have got everything in them that the plants really require. And okay. you can plant straight away after that. Oh, beauty. Thanks very much. And the only, just a quick one from what you spoke about a week ago. I've got I've been able to get my hands on some horse manure. Now, the same thing again. Just leave it for a little while and then... Dig, dig it into well, the garden, once, not... once again, while if it's fairly dryish, you can probably pop that straight onto the garden and dig it through, and it should be still fine to plant straight away. Okay. Oh, thank you, David. And, mate, that's really, really great program. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and, and I'm learning things each Oh, week. that's wonderful news. Thank you, Wal. <laughs> thank you again. Okay, bye-bye. And Irene is with us now from Brightwater. Where's Brightwaters, Irene? Uh, just out near Morissette, off ah, Morissette Peninsula. Didn't you know that, We Dave. know where you are now, <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> How can I help you, Irene? Uh, hi, David. Look, I've just had a, uh, a large... Uh, privet removed. Oh, yes. And um, <clears throat> had all the stump ground out and so forth. And uh, I'd like to place a row of Geraldton wax mm-hmm. along the fence line. 
Um, any thoughts on that? Well, look, yes, certainly Geraldton wax are great. I mean, look, they are not the easiest things to grow, but there still is a range of them available. Most of the ones you see in garden centres now are the dwarf ones, which are all most well, probably better managed because they don't grow as tall. But they are temperamental. They require a fairly well-drained position and a good sunny spot. The well-drained is a definite must with the Geraldton wax. Right. Well, my soil is really sandy because right. it's on the lake front. Yes. No, that's and, excellent. Uh, ac- actually, it's so sandy it even repels water. Right. Okay. Should I be uh, treating it prior to planting? I would. I would actually add a little bit of compost or even a water storing granule to that so it's just going to help retain the moisture a little bit but not too much. More so a compost because when you buy good compost in a bag, it not only boosts the soil, it actually has a water storing granule in it so it's going to do the two jobs for you at once. Okay, and just one other question, David. The um, <clears throat> where they've ground out the stump, um, and it's got a whole heap of sawdust uh, yes. in it. Can that still be used, or will I have to remove it? Well, look, with the sawdust, if you put that straight into the garden, it draws the nitrogen out of the ground. So if you can store the sawdust somewhere in a heap and let it mulch down for a few weeks, right. then you can use it into the garden. Okay, fine. Many thanks for that. You're welcome. Okay, bye bye. And we've got Bill waiting patiently at Fingal Bay. Hello, Bill. Hello, David. How are you? Good, thank you. That's well, it's not a lovely day. It's absolutely beautiful, yes. Yeah, look, a couple of pruning questions, David. Yes. Uh, Tibachima. Yes. Uh, the one out the front here, it's about three metres by two and a half. It's covered with uh, new, appears to be new growth. Do I cut? You can, you, you can cut it back now if you feel you need to because you've got to do those nice and early so it doesn't disrupt the flowering in the autumn months. So you can cut those back as far as you like the, to the fact even where you can cut all the foliage off and just leave the stumps there yeah. and they will reshoot out of those stumps nice and easily. So the time to do it now, eh? It certainly is. Now that you've noticed that new growth coming, it's the time to get in and do it. Uh-huh. Now the tricky one, David, is a, a, a dwarf... Nectarine. Yes. Okay. So they should be done during the winter months. You would best to leave them now because they're nearly ready to flower if they aren't already in flower. So you need to actually wait now until all that fruit has matured and then you can prune it if you wanted to. Otherwise, wait until the winter months. Until the winter months, I see. Do you just take much off it when you prune them, or do you just open it up like, like a vase effect? That's exactly right. You always open the centre of the tree, particularly with fruit trees, so the sun can get in and mature the fruit for you. Yes, yes. And that, that branches that the, where the leaves are dropping off now, there's the, the, the end of them are quite green and only about biro thickness. That's, you'd trim those off, would you, when you do trim it? You can, you, look, you can certainly trim it if you feel you don't need to trim it at all. It's a nice shape. You just leave it alone. But if you uh-huh. wanted to trim it, it really doesn't matter how far you or how much you take off the tree. Right. Now, David, I wonder if you could advise me. To, if, imagine it covered with big, lovely fruit and you want to cover it with something. Where would you get that sort of material to cover like a mesh or something. Okay, a mesh. I know that there are meshes available on the market. I only carry bird netting at the moment, but otherwise you can look on the internet and there will be nets that you can actually buy that cover and close the entire tree, but you still will get the growth and flowering and fruiting out of them. It's Gardening Talkback. If you'd like to give us a call, 49216216 is the phone number. We're here till one thirty today. You'll get through and you'll be able to talk to David.
Easy listening to and you are FM 103.7. Gardening talk back every Monday from midday. And we love your input. Without you, there's not much of a show. It's you know? not, no. So we love it when you give us a call. And we've got another call right now. Joining us from Bonnells Bay is Betty. Hello, Betty. Oh, hi, David. This lovely day. Beautiful, yes. yes. Gorgeous. David, I'm having a big problem. <laughs> I put in the banana passion fruit to cover mm-hmm. a, a, so I could have a bit of privacy on my back veranda. Yes. Now it's going up over the roof, so I've had to keep it cut. It now, grows very vigorously. It? Eh? it grows very vigorously. Oh, crazy. I didn't <laughs> realise it grew so mad. Yes. But anyway, when does it flower and fruit? When normally flowers and fruits from now on, for once we get into the spring, the warmer months, that's when it should start to flower, and then you should have your fruit by the summer months. I see, yeah, but that won't hurt me cutting it all the time up the top? Not at all, not at all, because basically you will find, like most passion fruit, they only flower on their new wood, so therefore you could even give it a a reasonable prune at this time of the year and get all that nice young growth, and that's the growth that they'll often produce their fruit on. Well, it's the young growth I'm cutting off at the top all the time. Okay, so you may need to cut it back just a little bit further at this time of the year to try and encourage that young growth, and that's the growth they will fruit on. So you've got to try and avoid doing that all the way through the summer months. Okay. All right. Well, it looks like it's going to get another good haircut. Yes, well, it wouldn't hurt to do it now because that way you'll get all that new growth, but try and avoid pruning it as you'd been doing all the way through the summer because that's why you're not getting any fruit. Okay, great. Thank you very much. You're welcome. David, here's Chris from Melbourne. Hello, Chris. Hi. I've just got one question about my citrus. I've got um, a Seville orange tree. Yes. And um, a catheter lime and another lime tree. Mm Mm-hmm. Leaves are going yellow. Do I need to put potash on? Look, certainly at this time of the year, I can understand that will be happening to everyone's citrus trees because we're just stepping out of winter and then we're making our way into spring, which will encourage all the new growth. So the energy is starting to move through your citrus trees and consequently the older leaves will tend to go yellow and fall off to make way for all that young growth. Certainly, yes, it is a great time to get in with your citrus fertiliser and some potash because that will promote all that growth and of course promote all those flowers for the oncoming season so yes chris it's very very wise that you get in and do that as soon as you possibly can yeah because the seville orange tree gave me a hundred oranges last year it's only a meter high yeah so what do you do with your seville oranges you jam them um make marmalade yeah that's what i thought because they're a very bitter orange aren't they yes yes Uh, i'm just labelling the bottles up at the moment. Oh, very good, very good. Okay, so yes, get in and feed those straight away so you get a nice good crop for this season. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye. And here's Rory. He's with us from Thornton. Hello, Rory. G'day, Dave. How you going, mate? Thank you. Uh, Dave, I've got a problem uh, with my two dogs chewing everything I plant, mate. Is there some sort of repellent that I can purchase or, or... yeah. Look, there certainly is. There's there's one that's called Deter. Deter actually works, uh, it's environmentally friendly. So you can actually spray that directly onto the plants and it will give a nasty taste once the dogs actually eat that particular area. So you okay. could try that. It's an As I said, it's environmentally friendly. The other one that's used is one that's called Scat or Keep Off, but unfortunately they're things that can't be applied to plants because they, okay. they may burn. So I certainly would try the uh, Deter. Deter. Okay, Dave, thanks for that, mate. You're welcome and good luck. Have a, yeah, thank you, mate. <laughs> Bye-bye now. Still got time for you to get on the show if you'd like. 49216216. It's Gardening Talkback at 2NURFM 103.7.
And we've got Trish with us right now for you, David. Hello, Trish. Oh, hello, David. Um, David, I've recently moved up here from Sydney mm-hmm. and started new compost. And I'm concerned because I have what looks like fruit flies in the compost. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering what I can do to deter them. Okay. Well, look, normally you'll always find lots of flying things in compost, and basically they, some of them you'll find are working through the compost, um, and they may be just laying eggs to hatch something in the compost to actually be beneficial to the compost. So mm-hmm. it can be a little bit difficult in this in this case um, what actually knowing what that little insect is. Because we don't like to use any products, of course, in compost because we like to keep it as natural as possible. Mm. So so long as it, uh, you're turning the compost fairly regularly? Well, no. It's a compost bin that just does its own thing and you take it out. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. See, sometimes you'll find with a lot of compost, if you turn it regularly, it creates a lot more heat and helps break down the compost even right. faster. And I would st- say because it's, it's, it's stagnant there, that's probably why you've got the flying things all in it. If you tried to go and turn that compost somehow, I think mm-hmm. you might find that the flies may even disappear. Right. And will it hurt if I put some lime in it? It certainly wouldn't hurt to put some lime in it, as long as you're careful after you take it out of the bin from what you're putting it onto. So mm-hmm. remembering there are certain things that do not like limey soils or compost. Fine. Thank you. Can I ask a quick question? Mm-hmm. What do I do with those plants that I've brought up that have been damaged by the frost? Okay. So what you need to do with a lot of those things is, depending on what they are, you'll need to probably trim them back, mm-hmm. um, and, that, and particularly when you can start to see some new growth. If you can see some new growth, give your plants a bit of a trim back. That'll take away all that untidy foliage and, it'll, of course, they'll spring back into life for you. Right. And if they're covered, does that help stop the damage from the frost? By all means it does, yes. And there yeah. is also a product that you can buy now which is called Stress Guard, which actually uh-huh. protects them against frost damage, particularly uh-huh. when you've moved into a frost area. Excellent. Thank you very much for your help. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. David, here's Patricia from Budgie Boy. Hello, Patricia. Hi, David. How are you going? Good. That's good. Um, David, I repotted a peace lily last summer, mm-hmm. at the end of last summer, and it seemed to take and be okay. Um, but all winter, all the leaves have been yellowing and it's lost half its size. Mm. Unfortunately, probably by doing it as late as you repotted it, see, all that new soil is around that old root system. And sometimes this can be really a big problem because it can cause sort of drowning of the root system because it's cold and it's wet, whereas the Madonna lilies like to dry out between their waterings. In actual fact, the way to water a Madonna lily is if to wait until it wilts over and then water it and it'll all spring back up to life again. So I would say it's probably just been the cold and the wet uh, that's caused that. Sometimes in this case, sometimes it might be an idea to give the the, uh, Madonna lily a good haircut to take most of that foliage off to let it spring back to life with all nice new foliage. Okay. All right. Thanks, David. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Have a good joining us right now, Melissa from Maitland Vale. Hello, Melissa. Hi, David. How are you going? Good. That's good. Um, just an inquiry um, about my apricot tree. Yes. Um, I've got a book here that says, um, in late winter, apply sulphate of potash. Yes. Um, and then it's got, in early spring, apply calcium ammonium nitrate. Right. Um, I wanted to know, because I'm trying to keep the garden fairly organic... Uh, are those two things okay to use in, in an organic garden? No, because they're chemicals. 
They're okay. classed as chemical fertilisers. The only organic fertiliser that, um, if you wanted to just stay organic, is just your pelleted manures because most of those are marked organic or even, okay. blood, and, or even blood and bone. That's another organic fertiliser. But those two products that you mentioned to me, they are chemical fertilisers, so therefore okay. they're not classed as being organic. Okay, so if I just stick with, um, is this the time of year to maybe use that pellet, you know? That oh, it certainly is. It certainly is because we need that on to get down into the soil to help promote all that wonderful new growth for springtime. Okay, so if I just stick with that, that, that that'll be enough. That'll give it everything it needs. Yeah, it certainly will. Okay, and right. um, would that be the same for my other um, stone fruit? My, um, I've got some plums and nectarines and peaches as well. Yes, well, if you're wanting to stay organic, you'll need to just stay with that uh, pelleted manure or just some blood and bone. Otherwise, you go to all a different range of products. Sure, okay. Thank you so much, David. You're welcome. And our last call of the day now is Paul from Cessnock. Hello, Paul. Yeah. How you going, mate? Good. Yep. I just wondering, um, if I can get a carton of a jasmine tree, yes. um, it'll be able to just put it straight in the dirt and okay. let it go. So now we're talking about the jasmine that climbs everywhere, yep. are we, Paul? Yep, yep. Okay, yep. now well, you'll find with the jasmine that climbs everywhere, if you look closer to the root system, you'll find that wherever a stem touches on the ground, it will form a new plant. And yep. in your case, that's going to be much easier to do that. So you'll just dig up a small little clump of root system and that's your new plant and it'll shoot away nicely for you. Oh, thank you. Okay. Yep. Thank you very no much. Problem, okay. Bye-bye, Paul. And that is our day. We have been so busy there. Very that is great. Busy. We like it that way. Thank you for all those who've called through and those that did are in the draw for this great gift pack. They are, and it consists of this beautiful plant, which is called a Voltage African Daisy, which is coming out in the most beautiful, clear yellow flowers, as well as that, a box of the tomato food. Now, this is the soluble one, which, as I said earlier, Every single person must have a tomato plant in by now. And as also with that is a, a container of the Aquamagic water storing crystals. I thought I might give it to Lorna of Katara today. She rang about the potostrums and the lily of the valley. So congratulations, Lorna. All you need to do is make your way out to Walls End Community Nursery. That's on the corner of Crowdus and Lake Road, Walls End. One condition is try and get in before next Monday's program where there will be a brand new gift to be given away. That's us for another week. Thank you very much, David Peterson. No, thank you again. Dave and good gardening everyone and gardening talk back back again from midday next Monday here at 2NURFM 103.7